still me. Uh, it, it is good to be with you this weekend, uh, and it is. It's a, it's a privilege for me to be able to come uh, to the Kennedy campus and spend time with you and, uh, and, and see you and, and share with you what, what God has been uh, challenging me with uh, and to, sh- to share with you uh, from God's Word. Uh, and what a privilege it is that we get to, uh, to read God's Word together uh, and that we ask God just to teach us and to show us more of who He is. And just as we prayed for those uh, too, that we get to, uh, that we get, we want that same prayer to be true for us, right? That God would show Himself to us, that He would reveal Himself to us, and that we would fall more in love with Him. And that's that's what we're going to spend some time doing tonight, and, uh, this weekend, and next weekend. We're just doing a little two-part series on Daniel. Uh, excited to see some of the, the the stories from Daniel, and how God can teach us uh, in those stories. And tonight we're going to be talking about the idea of being resolved which is a fun word. And, and when I think about being resolved and I think about being determined, it's, it's one of those things that, that it's a fun word for me to think about because it's not something that, that's naturally true of me. Right? I'm not one of those people, you know those people who are just like so determined in their nature that they will accomplish anything no matter what? Um, I, I can be pretty determined sometimes and I can do things when I need to, but that's just not a, a, probably a word that people would always describe me by, right? Oh, Mark is a determined person. He's a determined personality. Um, and yet, so it's, it's, as a parent, it's one of those fun things to watch because my daughter is. Um, I am not, and so it's really fun to watch her and see her. My, my daughter is one of those people that when she sets her mind to something, it is happening. And she will see it through, no matter what. Um, she's, uh, a, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's some physical challenge that she's going to push herself to and she's going to, She's going to die trying. She's one of those personalities, right? Or uh, right now, um, my daughter with school, right at the end of the school year, they're doing this, this, I think it's called Tournament of Tales. And so they broke into teams, and each team was assigned a bunch of books. And so she has the books that she's reading for her team, and they're going to get quizzed on. So she's pushing herself to read. Right? And she has this little uh, weekly assignment. They have this little bookmark, and they write what they're supposed to do each week. And Lily's for... For Monday, it said read, and Tuesday, it said read, and then Wednesday, it said still read, and Thursday, read more, and Friday, yep, still read. I mean, it's like that's what she's doing, and uh, last night, we go in to, to tuck her bed. She's asleep with her book and her bookmark there and her light on. She's just like determined to finish these books, and she will, and this morning, she reread it. She at least was honest and told me, oh, you were right, Dad. I should have stopped reading last night because I don't remember anything. I had to reread it. Um, I recorded that because she said I was right. Um, no, but, but it's fun. Right? What does it mean to be determined? Well, we're going to read this story about Daniel uh, and his friends in, in Daniel chapter 1. And uh, I think there's some things that we need to learn about being determined, being resolved as we follow Jesus. So would you turn with me uh, to Daniel chapter 1? That's on page 667 uh, of the chair Bibles. And I want to just read uh, this story. About Daniel, and I think there's again, I think there's some great lessons for us as we learn what it means to be resolved. And so it says here in verse one: During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects of the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia. And place them in the treasure house of God. Then the king quartered 
ordered Ash Pizzazz. I man, I practiced that too. It didn't work out. Alright, his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and the other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They are to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought them all, all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. That that story, you see in that story that Daniel made a choice. Daniel and his friends made a decision to do something. And I know that when he did that, in the story it doesn't, we don't see all of the details. But he did it because it's what God had called them to do. It, 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 that eating the king's food would have broken uh, the dietary laws that they were trying, that they were called to obey, and so they—that's why they wanted to do something different. Right? It wasn't just like, I don't like all this really good food. I'd rather have vegetables and water, please. But he, they made up their mind to do things God way, and they did it. And I know that we're not exactly like Daniel and his friends, right? We're not captured Jews living in captivity in a foreign land. But we are followers of God. And again, the perspective that we have to keep as we understand this story, as we look at this, is that uh, this, that God has called us to be His followers. This is what He does. Right? He selects people for Himself. He's pursued us. And He invites us to follow Him. 
And as we look back in this story in the Old Testament, we have to remember that that, that was the, the story of the Israelites, right? That God called them to be His people. You see that in Abraham, then you jump ahead to Moses and David, and now Daniel, right? God's chosen people. He picked them, He rescued them, He redeemed them, He made them His own. I mean, with that same theme, we can jump ahead to the, the New Testament and see the disciples. Jesus picked them, He died for them, He rescued them, He made them His own. Jump ahead again to us. We see that John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. That's who we are. We're disciples. We're followers of Jesus because He's chosen us and He's called us. It's what we want to do. It's what we say we want to be. I'm following Jesus. I want to do things His way. And this next statement is one that I've fallen in love with because I think it's one of the best definitions of what it means to be a disciple. And a disciple can be summed up in this statement. I don't know what the question is, but the answer is always, what would Jesus do? That's what I'm going to do. I don't, know the, I don't know the situation. I don't know the question. I don't know what's being asked of me yet. But when I'm asked of it, I know how I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond, I want to do it the way Jesus did. Or the way Jesus would. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. So as we look at what it means to follow Jesus, to be resolved, to choose to do things His way, um, that's a huge question. We're going to have time this weekend to try to pick that whole thing apart. But we're going to start. And specifically, we're going to look at this question of how do we follow Jesus when things get tough? When we find ourselves like Daniel in foreign territory with a choice, I'm going to do things God's way or I'm just going to kind of blend in. And I think in order to do that, to be a disciple, we have to be resolved. And this story in Daniel that we just read and that we're going to explore a little more, I think this story demonstrates a couple of the simple steps that we can do to follow Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. How do we be resolved? How do we be disciples uh, when things get tough? And the great news is that, that the, the three things we're going to talk about to you tonight are, are all really, really simple things. Following Jesus is is a very basic, simple thing. It's just really, really, really hard. And so let's start at the beginning. The first thing that we have to do is we have to know what we believe. I I told you it's basic. This is a simple thing. We just have to know what we believe. It's really hard to stand firm if you don't know where you're standing. It's really hard to to know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Growing up, I remember this because this is one of the the, the first times that clearly stand out in my mind of myself just feeling completely embarrassed. Um, and it was in a, con- I don't remember where it was, I just remember the conversation and I remember feeling really, really dumb and wanting to leave. Uh, but I found myself in a conversation with a bunch of adults um, and they were talking, I don't remember how old I was, but they were talking about euthanasia 
And I really got excited about euthanasia because I had just been reading about these countries in Asia and I thought youth are cool. And so I was offering my full-blown support for euthanasia, awesome. And then when somebody explained to me what euthanasia was, um, I tried to disappear. Um, and I, I'm sad to report that's not the only time that I've felt that way. Um, or done things like that. But, but when you don't know what you know, or you, don't, you, you blindly are supporting them, you don't know what to do. It's hard to stand firm. It's hard to be resolved if you don't know uh, what you're claiming to follow. And so as followers of Jesus, we're called to know what it means to follow Jesus. What is He calling us to do, right? If, if I'm a disciple and my answer to discipleship is I'm going to do things Jesus' way, well, what would Jesus do? How did Jesus respond in situations like this? How, what has God called us to be? If I don't know that, how am, I supposed to, how am I supposed to do it? Daniel wasn't just making up this vegetable and water thing as he went along. right? It's not just like, ah, I think this would be a good idea. Right? He, he knew what God's law was. It's how he was raised. Right? The dietary laws laid out for the Israelites, he knew them well. So that even when he was ripped up from his homeland, drug uh, across uh, the, the globe and, and placed in a foreign land, he knew what he believed. He knew what God's laws were. I, I believe Daniel's parents had, had taken Deuteronomy 11, 18-20 by heart. They, they, they purposed themselves to do that. And let, me, let me read that passage for you. It says this, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I believe Daniel's parents had done that. So by the time Daniel's grown that, that he's been hearing this his whole life he's been watching his parents his whole life as they tried to follow jesus they tried to follow god's way they had purposed themselves to do that and so daniel that's what he grew up knowing he saw his parents living out their faith in obedience to the law and he did it as well and he was raised in that and he knew god's word In Psalms, it's put this way, in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. And it's on page 468 of your chair Bible. Verse 9 says this way, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your law as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I'll delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Knowing God by knowing His word. It has to be our passion. It has to be our purpose, right? Can, can you read that passage we just read in Psalms and say, yes, that's me. That description fits me. It describes the way I treat God's Word. I delight in your decrees. And I don't forget your Word. 
I value your instruction as much as riches. We're called to be people, if we're disciples, if we're followers of Jesus, we have to have this hunger to know God, to know His Word. One of the other examples of this, I, I love this story so much, is, is the story of Joshua as he's about to, uh, to take charge over the nation of Israel, right? He's followed in, in Moses' kind of wing the whole time, watching everything, seeing everything. All of a sudden, Moses is dead and Joshua's in charge. And in Joshua 1 verse 8, this is God's instruction to Joshua. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. That was God's command to Joshua. Study this word. Know it. Obey it. If we're going to follow God, we've got to know who we're following. We've got to know what we're going to do. If we're going to stand firm, then we've got to know where we stand. And so for us as the church, as followers of Jesus, we have to make knowing God our, our purpose. Our priority is, is knowing God. Right? We don't come to church to, to hang out with each other. Right? That's great, but that's not the purpose. That's not the priority. Our purpose is to follow God, to know God, and to make Him known. If we're going to be resolved, we have to know what we believe and what we're about. So step one is very simple, and yet it's our call for the remainder of our lives, to study and to know God's Word, to know God. Right? Just do the impossible. There's step one. Know God. Alright? But let's do that. Let's let's know God. Let's let's chase after him and seek to know him. The second one is is is, is similarly simple. Alright? We have to determine in our heart to obey. Alright? Make it a purpose that I'm gonna obey what I know. And as I know more, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek to obey that too. But I'm just gonna purpose in my heart to obey, determine in my heart to obey. Daniel made up his mind that he was going to obey. He was going to do things God's way. He made up his mind. Again, this is really easy to say. Really, really hard to do. And we see it right there in in the passage read in Daniel 1.8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food. He had determined in his heart, what he was going to do. He had made up his mind. So when the situation presented itself, he knew that he didn't have a choice. He had already made up his mind. He had already purposed in his heart what he was going to do. And he did. And again, as we look in other parts of the Old Testament, we see examples of this. And I was just reading this the other day. Uh, David's instructions to his son Solomon. As David's about... Uh, to die, and he's, he's making sure the kingdom knows that Solomon is God's chosen, God's chosen one to, to succeed him. In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, David says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. We need to obey. Purpose in our hearts to obey. 
And the great thing is that as we do the first step, as we learn to know God, as we get to know Him intimately, then the second step of, of obeying is so much easier. Right? This isn't just a set of rules that we're supposed to follow, and if we do it right, we're good. That It's a relationship, right? As I know God, as I understand what it means to follow Him, and the more I fall in love with Him, the easier it is to do the things that, that please Him. And the other thing about that is that as we do this, we fall in love with Jesus. As we know Him intimately, as we understand who He is, then we can stand firm. And again, our motivation changes from just being, I want to be good, to I want to glorify God. We also have to do it ahead of time. Right? Rarely have I made great choices in the heat of the moment. Right? I'm notoriously bad at that. Made lots of dumb choices in the heat of the moment. Um, we have to make up our mind ahead of time what we're going to do. And again, that statement of discipleship, right? I don't know the situation. I don't know the question yet, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it God's way. And that's what Daniel had determined. He had already determined in his heart that he was going to be obedient to God. So when he gets ripped from his homeland, drug across the world, placed it and given, he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm doing things God's way. I can't do this. We see a similar story in the, in the story of Joseph. Genesis 39, as, as Joseph's in Potiphar's house and he's uh, doing things God's way. And in the moment when Potiphar's wife is, is telling, inviting him to come sleep with him, he says no. He'd already purposed and said, I'm not going to do this. And, and his whole argument was, I'm, it's not that I don't want to make anybody else happy. He's like, this would dishonor God. And so he ran. Even though it cost him, he had already determined, this is what I'm going to do. I've already set my path ahead of me, and I'm just going to walk it. The steps aren't always easy, but the decision has been made. Again, it's a very simple thing to say, and it's easy to write that down. Oh yeah, that's good. I'm going to, I'm going to determine in my heart to obey. Now I've got to do it. And it's hard. So I think it brings us to the third point, which is a little bit of comfort. And it's, it's who, who's got your back. All right, when we sit and, and purpose in our heart that we're going to obey, we, we mean it, right? No matter what, I'm going to do this. If I, if I stand alone here, I'm standing alone because I'm determined to do things God's way. But often, like Daniel, we find ourselves... Blessed to have other people around us who will stand with us. Right, Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had his three friends that when Daniel purposed in his heart, they had done the same thing. And so the four of them together were able to stand firm together and to encourage one another. They had each other's back. And this is what the church is called to be, right? This is what we're, we're called to be for one another. Right? We, we don't just get together on weekends to sing and have some coffee and hang out together and talk, listen to some person mispronounce Bible names. Right? That, that's not what church is about. Right? The church, as the church, we're called to follow Jesus. And we're called to come alongside of each other and to encourage each other and to push each other along to stand firm together. 
We're called to do this life together as followers of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. You know, there's a couple of things there. One, that we're, we're supposed to be actively thinking about. Like, how can I encourage other people to follow Jesus, to acts of love and good work, right? How are, are we actively thinking about that? How can we encourage one another? How can we motivate each other? And secondly, don't, don't, let's not neglect meeting together because when we're together, that we encourage one another. We lift each other up. We support each other. That's why we, that's why we pray for one another so we can do this together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says it this way, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. That's what we're called to do as a church. Encourage one another. Build each other up. As each of us individually have purpose in our hearts to follow Jesus, to do things His way, we're going to hit bumps in the road. We're going to hit hard times. And if we're on our own, it's really hard to stand firm. Right? We can do it for a while. But we can also get knocked down and beat up and dragged around. And we need one another to pick us up, to encourage us, to walk with us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 11. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Following Jesus, being a disciple, isn't a simple thing. Right? We're, we're called to live contrary to the world. We're called to do things God's way. To live according to His standard. And that's not often an easy thing to do. Right? We often run into to, to hiccups. We often run into to challenging situations. It may not be that we're, we're drugged across the world and, 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 and stared down by some foreign king telling us what we've got to do. Um, but we still run into hard times, Right? And so we've got a purpose in our heart. We've got to know what we believe and we've got to stand together and walk together as we follow Jesus together. Now I want to, I want to bring up one uh, important part because this is the part where I often, uh, where I often slip up. Because right? I, can, I can get those three things pretty easily. right? They make sense and I go and start doing them. But then, but then I, I, I make a, a simple twist that I think we do so often. And we take the purpose and the good thing that God's given us and we twist it and make it all about us. So let me ask you this question. Are are you doing this? Are you purposing in your heart? Are you being resolved to follow God? Are you doing it simply to accomplish your own personal goals and achieve some personal victories and be a good person that people like and people want to be around? Or is your purpose to glorify God 
Is your purpose to become more like Christ because it pleases Him? And I can often fall into the trap of just wanting to do things the right way so that people like me or that I look good. And not for God's glory. Consider 1 Corinthians 10.31 that we do all things for the glory of God. That everything I do should be about God's glory. Everything I do should be about making His name great. We need to constantly be watching after our hearts to ensure that the pursuit of sanctification, of of becoming more like Christ, doesn't become a, a, a series of personal victories leading to my pride. So we need to be resolved, but we need to do it with a clear and definitive purpose of glorifying God. We have to keep coming back to what it means to be a disciple, right? That we remember He gave His life for us so that we live our lives for Him. Our end goal is not that we have it all together and people look at how amazing we are. But our goal should always be that God receives the glory. That people look at us and wonder at how great our God is. That God receives the glory. That His name is made great. Let's resolve in our hearts together to make our God's name great in this place. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, we thank You that You have rescued us, that You have called us to Your own. God, we thank You that, that, that we're not following You and that, that our uh, obedience to You is, is the determining factor on, on whether we're Yours or not. But God, our, our, our following You, our, our purposing to, to please You it is a response to You saving us in the first place. God, that wasn't our perfect behavior or our good works or our having it all together that made You fall in love with us, but You rescued us when we were far from You. That You went to the cross and died for us. Guys, we understand that Gospel. We understand the truth of how You love us in spite of who we are. Guys, we get to know You. May it just create in us a desire to know You more. And as we know You, may our motivation be uh, to please You and to live in a way that, that makes Your name great. Jesus, may we be followers of You. May we be disciples who are resolved in our heart, who are purposed in our heart to please You. Jesus, may that be true of us that we would follow You, and that we would make Your name great. We ask this in Your name. Amen.